Hey, it's Bill Simmons. We're not just reacting to the NBA playoffs on my podcast. We're also doing it on the Ringer NBA show and the Mismatch podcast. They are coming after some of these NBA playoff games. Check it out Monday, Wednesday, and Friday nights on the Ringer Podcast Network. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Welcome to the Ringer NBA show. It's the answer. I'm Chris Ryan, and I'm joined, not as always, by Sirit Sohi, who's out today, but by Tyler Parker. What's up, man? What's up, buddy? Thanks for having me, man. Tyler is a Ringer staff writer now. Uh, you may know him from uh, some glorious YouTube videos we made in the years past, like Take Hunter and Coach T and Wake Up and Dunk It. Still waiting on that Wake Up and Dunk It sequel. But Tyler, it's great to have you on board officially. Thank you for joining me today on the pod. We're going to talk a little bit about the piece you wrote earlier in the week after the lottery with the Thunder landing the second pick and where you are with the Thunder process versus where I'm at with the Sixers process and whether it's sometimes better to be in a permanent dress rehearsal than it is to fucking fall flat on your face on uh, the biggest stage. But before we get to that, uh, I thought we could talk a little Celtics heat. That was last night and just playoffs in general, man. Um, Celtics came out and really bodied up. You can read KOC on the game, and I thought it was like a really great breakdown of what happened, but it was essentially like they had Marcus Smart back. Uh, and Marcus Smart got after Jimmy a little bit, and also like the shots were falling, which is kind of like the story of this whole playoffs. It seems like it's just like real make or miss playoffs and a barrage of threes, and then you're like, damn, this shit got out of control. What did you what did you see last night? Yeah, I mean, it's just like the the like Marcus Smart extravaganza. It was just a a real palooza for him. It's just weird. He was such a problematic player for them over the years. And like, I feel like I've been, I have archives of group chats. Yeah. Like Bill and Rosolo would just be like, Jesus Christ. No. And then you get to this point and you're just like, oh, this guy's going to like turn the entire playoffs for them. I hate like terms like this and like dudes that talk like this, but he is a gamer. You know what I mean? Like he just kind of is. And they needed that. I mean, they did kind of get a little big boyed in that third quarter in game one. I mean, that was like a, you know, that was a re- Jimmy Butler, you know, <laughs> kind of took his shirt off and sat down the middle of the road. And <laughs> so like, 
All right, you drive up. Let's see. So is this like Jimmy Butler takes his shirt off, sits in the middle of the road, and is daring the Celtics to run him over? Or I know I think he's like I'm. I'm here. I my sh- I'm ready to fight. I'll just be. I'll just be sitting here. If you guys want to come up, come yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. There was something very. Um, even when he, I forget who it was, or, or you know, Neesmith had that little push there, maybe in the third two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had that big block, and then he was like really, really amped up, and then came back down, and then maybe had a block on the break too. Jimmy got the rebound and gave him a little old man, you know, eyebrow fake. Neesmith, you know, fouled him, and then you could see Jimmy kind of give him a little squint eye, like you know, you think you're doing something right now. Like Butler was really feeling himself in that third quarter in a in a big way, and yeah, I mean, I guess it is just simple, but yeah, their ability to just switch and not really have to worry when you've got Brown and Tatum and Smart out there, and you, I mean, Horford or Williams, it doesn't really matter. It, it just makes such a difference when they can't when 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 they're not able to pick on Pritchard like that. Like it's 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 just such a such a big deal. Yeah, I want to say something just like Udoka is like definitely whispering something into these guys' ears because I that, I do feel like one of the things that the Celtics have, which is why they've gotten this far, is they just don't play two bad games in a row. I mean, I'm sure you could prove me wrong, and it just feels like since the All-Star break, they just don't slip for extended periods of time. And he obviously, like, it's like we, we can just use all the cliches we want, like accountability or toughness or whatever but like right now they are hearing his message like on a on a major level because like i felt like game one was a little bit of a schedule loss for boston they're coming like 48 hours after like a pretty draining series against Giannis, so they have to go down to miami and play a team that's pretty well rested that like is probably really like understands what they want to do and has probably been scouting both of those the milwaukee and the celtics team and like had like a little bit of a head start there right and they played their game but man, like he seems like he really, really, really challenged those guys. Like if you're going to lose, lose physical. If you're going to lose, like lose the way that we've been playing this whole second half of the season and they did not lose. He's got a presence and it it's just it can't be an accident that they play defense like that hard, that physically, that consistently. Like that's not something that you stumble into and that kind of defense does that that defense doesn't travel in game two of the Eastern Conference Finals unless it's really real. I mean, it does just sort of expose the lack of shot creation that Miami's got outside of Butler and, you know, Hero. Oladipo's trying. And, you know, when Bam can get it going, it's it's nice. But, you know, what, last night he had six, I think. When mm-hmm. the Celtics are playing defense like that, it it became very clear how hard it is for Miami to get easy shots yeah. sometimes. Like if Butler doesn't have it going, if Hero's off, like it can get it can get a little sticky. When the Sixers were playing the Heat, it was just like all the games that Miami won where you could tell Butler was getting to his little spots, like his spot, like right off the elbow. He was getting into that part of the floor where he can go for the rim and look for contact. He can kick out for a three or he can just wet the mid-range jumper. And if he's getting to that spot and he's comfortable, you're going to really have a hard time beating Miami, especially the way like the way he's seeing the rim right now. But yeah, like they made that spot radioactive. Like he could get there, but if he was there, he was like pointed diagonally or like, you know, it was like he was trying to pass out of three dudes or he was trying to go over Rob Williams. Like it was just never, never, never like right there. This has been like a weird series to watch because there are some times where you're like a team beats the team that you cheer for and you're like, salute. 
Like I, I'm cheering for you guys going forward. I don't feel that way about Miami, but on the other hand, I don't feel that way about Boston. Yeah. So like, I don't really know what I'm like. It, it's strange. Like I still have pretty, like a lot of like watching basketball is grounded in rooting interest for me. And I often will create narratives for myself about like why I'm cheering for one team or another that don't really make a lot of sense and often infuriate my friends. But are you like that? Like where you can, or, or can you just watch things like completely aesthetically and like analytically? Um, not, I mean, some games, but no, I mean, I let my fan past in, into the mix a lot whenever I'm watching this stuff, way more than I probably should, right? I mean, at no point, for instance, during any of Pat Bev's nonsense, was I at all like, oh, this is cool, awesome, this is great, I'm loving it. You know what I mean? Like, it, like, it was yeah. too much, I'm a, a Thunder fan, obviously, so it's like, too, too much history there, right? Like, I can't, I can't even like, even when it is funny, I can't get on board. It's like, well, I mean, what's your like the the whole Butler thing's got to be so weird. Him doing that stuff with Embiid at the end of the series and stuff too. Like, there's there's actually like I would say a majority of Sixers fans are probably like this was the biggest mistake we've made is getting yeah. is letting Butler go. In hindsight, it's like Tobias is like a serviceable player who's getting probably like within the like realm of the cap like overpaid. So like Tobias sure. Harris is getting congratulations to him for uh his financial security but like in terms of like his production <laughs> is maybe not like that level of on par with the yeah right and ben is ben and we saw how that ended and then what you get back in return for ben simmons is james harden so yeah. ultimately if you could have just like unwound all that crap and like had jimmy butler and Joel Embiid and then just try to piece things around those two guys like right. you probably would have just been way better off i personally think that it's like a little like rewriting history to be like Jimmy Butler like would have died for Philly but we sent him packing to Florida like I agree I think that. it was a little bit different than that and also like you also would have had to definitely fire the coach which they did anyway but Brett Brown even though I there's rumors that I guess there's some reporting that says Brett Brown would have welcomed Butler back I think it's it's just like Butler needs to is isn't the perfect place for Butler right like the fact that there was an on-court near brawl between a head coach and its team's best player and the team's yeah. living history in Udonis was like, I will take <laughs> you to the back and beat your ass. Yeah. And then those guys were over that in 24 hours. Now, part of that is because maybe Miami isn't under the same microscope that like the Lakers are. I think if the sure. Lakers had a fight like that, we'd still be doing oral histories on it. <laughs> but somehow we've just been like heat culture baby that's what happens you guys hold the people so accountable you almost break them in half butler has found the place the one place where he can't be like i'm gonna scrimmage with vincent and Struess and <laughs> bury everybody or i'm gonna get a coach fired or i'm gonna go like talk to rachel nichols and and upend this entire season like you can't do that in miami apparently that's such a good point i mean there, there was there, there was a bigger to do made about all the miami machismo after the Jokic scuffle uh, whenever Morris, you can see yeah. like and you can see there's that picture of like the security guard for either the nuggets or the heat or whoever are trying to like keep some of the heat guys back in the hallway yeah <laughs> or whatever and the and and i remember I'm obviously Jokic and morris all that that was a big topic of discussion for a minute and you're right that the 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 fight while i think it was worth like it was worth talking about for sure when people did but yeah man i don't i think butler's just that guy's pretty comfortable with conflict. Yeah. I think he's able to compartmentalize a lot of stuff. And Spolster is obviously like 
so impressive, not just as an X's and O's guy, but just in his ability to be able to handle these kind of personalities and stuff like that, going back to all the LeBron, Wade, Bosch stuff, like all that you're having to juggle like that. That's he's 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 super duper impressive. That dude has had like one of the greatest teams ever assembled or at least like the greatest top end of a team ever assembled in Bosch, Wade and LeBron, like at their best. Right. And managed whatever their run was where they won like 22 in a row yeah. and like just they were incredible. He uh, has faced adversity at every level of the game from the regular season through the playoffs, through the finals with the Ray Allen shot. Like he has seen yeah. pretty much anything you can see on a basketball court. Then he was pretty good with basically the, the suicide squad <laughs> when it was like Hassan and waiters and all those guys. That's right. Philly cheese. Yeah. And now they have rebuilt this like team kind of into like a hybrid of like top end players like Jimmy, Kyle and Bam Adebayo. And then like a lot of like late round finds, unsigned dudes, scrap heap guys and veterans. And like he's like remade this team aesthetically like several times. And he has just I mean, I think he has a job for life. It's hard to imagine that way, right? How bad the heat would have to be for them to be like, this is on Spo. Yeah. I mean, all the stress that guy's gone through and he still looks like that. It was incredible. I mean, total hottie on the sidelines. I know, honestly, like he was pretty hard. Like with Jimmy, like that was, that was sick. Yeah. Cause that, that was like your perfect fight. Like you remember when you were a kid and it would just be like the kid couldn't, you couldn't get a rise out of this one dude, but then if he snapped, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, it yeah. Took like it took like a 45 minutes to calm him down. And he was like crying, but angry, you know? No. Yeah. He's the guy who's like, look, if you want to get into a fire with him, that's fine, but you better kill him. You have to kill him. <laughs> he can't be moving at the end of it or right. else he's going to get up. Cause Jimmy was like, this is cool. I got to say, fuck you to Spo. And like, we, now yeah. it's going to go viral. And it's like, that's, I got it off my chest. Like there yeah. are people who are like, I'm cool. Like, let's, I just want to get it off my chest. And then it's like, the other guy <laughs> yeah. is like, you've broken me. And now I have to have like a, an absolute meltdown in front of you for eight minutes on television. If you can get modern Spo to where like he, the, the top button on the dry fit polo almost came undone. Yeah. And if you can get him there, I mean, that's really disheveled for like, for modern Spo. That's impressive. That's impressive that Butler's able to get him there. But kudos to kudos to Spo for keeping for keeping it all together. For the, I mean, the, weirdly able to go kind of ballistic as ballistic as a coach can go, right? Yes. Without like going full Bobby Knight. As ballistic as I've seen a coach go at one of their players without making physical contact, because like usually it's like you see dudes lose it, but they're losing it at refs. Yeah. I didn't feel like he was like out of control. Exactly. You know what I mean? No, he threw his clipboard. Yeah. I don't, it was, but he, he almost felt like he was throwing his clipboard because he was like, I can't believe you're making me do this. You know, right. like, cause he was like, I, he's like, you want to fight me in the back? Like, what are you talking about? It is a good coaches. Ba- they both have great, like coaches energy. They both are kind of like badasses a little bit. So this playoffs has been, well, a lot of like the most recent games, I feel like, you know, with, with some exceptions, it's just been these runs that are insurmountable, right? So like right. the Celtics had like the he obviously had one in the third quarter of game one. The Warriors just opened all the fire hydrants uh, in game one against Dallas. And also that was like almost weirdly a defensive run in a lot of ways because of what they threw at Luka. Are you seeing this series, this Celtics heat here series? I guess generally as a long one, or did you think that 
like, do you think that the Heat will come up back with like a counter move in game three against Boston or game four against Boston? Because obviously the goal here is steal one in Boston and then it's a it's a three game series. Yeah. I mean, I, I've complimented Eric Spolster enough for like two months, but he but he, you know, he's good at adjustments. They know what they're doing. They'll have they'll have something. Right. But like you say, the Celtics have shown the ability to adjust. There is a part of me that doesn't think that the series is going to go that long. I could see. I don't know if it's going to be a gentleman sweep or not. I don't know. That's hard to that's that's hard to say. Well, and the reason why it's probably hard to understand it is because Miami hasn't been really challenged this way. Yet. Yeah, that's a good. Point. I mean, like they lost those two against Embiid in Philly, but it did feel like as soon as Game Five started in Miami, I was like, yeah. oh, like that was everything that Embiid had. Right. Like that was like sure. everything that the Sixers had, they put into those two home games to get back in the series. And now they're kind of out of gas and out of ideas. Miami swept Atlanta, I think. And then yeah. they they beat the Sixers four two, So they've lost two games in the playoffs. So for now, three games in the playoffs. And I think for as much as I respect this team, I still don't have like a handle on like whether or not they are like inevitable finalists or whether like they've just kind of like have a little bit of like a Utah E slipped into the first seed, but only by like, I, I'm yeah. not trying, I'm not even trying to be like dismissive of like what they accomplished. No, totally. They're hard to think about. Like these sorts of series are weird to me because you can, it, it, you know, it's like eye of the beholder. You can talk about it two ways, right? There's like the one thing that's like, you know, look at the resiliency of Miami, look at how tough, you know, like they battle back in game one, whole court, whatever. And then there's, you know, okay, then the Celtics, they respond in game two, you know, it's even, you know, anybody's game. You can talk about it like that, or you can say the Celtics, you know, didn't dominate in the first half of game one, but were definitely the better team. I mean, they were, they were, they were up and kind of had the momentum at the half. And then, you know, just, they, they, they lost control of the leash a little bit in the, in that, in that third, once Butler got going. And then Hero just started kind of picking on Pritchard. You know, there's a world where like that's kind of the only time in that series that 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 that, that run where Miami looked really good. All the other you know time, it's kind of been the Celtics that have looked like clearly the better team. There's a part of me that thinks it's Celtics in five or six, but like Butler's capable of putting up big time numbers and carrying a team and making it like a grinded out series work for him too. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if, yeah. if he can keep getting to the line and they can keep getting their defense set on the other end, if he can keep kind of making the game choppy in that way, I could see them extending it, but I just don't know if they've got enough juice other than him offensively to be able to do enough with that defense. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I just don't know if they can go stop for stop when push comes to, Shove. I would love it. I'd love to see seven games. Lowry's a little bit of a wild card because it would be lovely to get him back from Miami and get him like, I mean, he can obviously make a lot of things happen playmaking wise. He's like, I really good at initiating like their offense in, in like a kind of secondary transition. He's really good at hit aheads. He's really good at trailing a play and like being able to hit a, hit a big shot there. I don't know that Kyle Lowry is at the stage of his career where it's like Rob Williams, where it's like Rob Williams really hurts his knee. And then when he comes back, he looks like friggin' Olajuwon. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like yeah, yeah. I, I think he might be in the slower recovery <laughs> zone, but we'll see. 
The playoffs are heating up, and you can make every game feel like Game 7 on FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the NBA. Throughout the playoffs, all customers can place a no-sweat same-game parlay each week. You'll get up to $20 in free bets if you don't win. FanDuel has so many ways to play, and best of all, when you do win, you'll get paid faster than a fast break. Tonight, Friday night, Game 2, Mavs Warriors. You know, I'm just going to go off of what happened with Celtics Heat because I'm an idiot. And I'm going to say, like, I think this is going to be a longer series. I think that the Mavericks are going to steal one at Chase Center. So what are we talking about? We're talking about Luka going off. So I'm going to go with the Mavs money line, Luka over 31 and a half, and Luka to record more than four assists. That's a plus 345 wager. I think it's pretty fun. You get to just root for Luka all night and have a little fun while doing it. New to FanDuel, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code RINGERNBA. Once again, that's promo code RINGERNBA, and if you already have an account, you're all set to bet no sweat. Either way, you'll get up to $20 in free bets if your same-game parlay during the playoffs doesn't win. FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the NBA, 21 and older in select states, refund issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max bet $20 per week. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Tennessee red line is 1-800-889-9789. 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia. Tyler, I wanted to ask you a little bit more generally about the playoff experience so far, because you and I are obviously a pretty big like media consumers as well as basketball consumers. We're basketball media consumers as much <laughs> sure, as we're, like, yeah. basketball consumers. Have you been enjoying like the this sort of the wrinkle of this playoff specifically? But I think it's been a trend, obviously, where we're getting a lot more uh, analysis and and takes from current NBA players or I guess recently recently retired too because like you get the JJs and stuff like that sure obviously but I was checking out Draymond's stuff over the course of the playoffs and I I realized that like he's just been doing like 15 minute post-game reactions both to games that he has played in but also just like weighing in on Celtics heat game one for, for yeah. 15 minutes and then of course like this week I thought it was really quite something i think it's been you know he had he had a whole run of of pat beverly on first take right. which was like i thought like almost like the, the the experiment that nearly broke first take you know where it was right. just like you find a guy to take who like so seriously taking the most extreme position whether it was like the bubble championship needs an asterisk or pay james harden the supermax yeah. or whatever it was where neither Stephen A. nor JJ knew what to do because, like, the take was so nuclear. Right. They were like, I should have a hazmat suit on for this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes Stephen A., like, you, you see him looking at Pat Bevan, there was a part of me that, like, saw in Stephen A.'s eyes, he's like, what have I done? What have I created? Yeah, right. <laughs> this is What, this what, is what have I wrought here? <laughs> yeah. it, I mean, it is entertaining I, I mean i already said like i can't i'm a i'm a, not at all objective about pat bev i can't i'm i'm wildly biased i thought the stuff he was doing was mainly a clown show but i also you know like i get why espn had him back right the yeah. draymond stuff it 
it's pretty fascinating to be able to have a guy who is that smart, who is going to be, you know, the, you know, whatever Barkley 2.0, right? Like it, it, it is pretty wild to have him because he's, I mean, like nobody can say he's not honest. And I mean, sometimes he's posturing in favor of himself too. He's obviously very pro Draymond, but you are getting his, what feels like unfiltered opinion. I'm honestly a little bit more interested in him talking about other series games that he's not playing in. Like it's one thing if he, after the ejection stuff like that in the Memphis series, like, yes, by all means, like I want to hear what he has to say. I know it's going to be crazy skewed, but still like, I want to hear what he has to say. I I would not say that he was ever doing things to create content, but it is like, he's executing the plan amazingly well of like controversy leads to content. So as soon as something controversial happens, like, own the story yeah and he's been doing that throughout the playoffs in a really interesting way i mean this is obviously a tragic example but when adrian Payne was killed he was like i will be talking about this on my podcast now he said that because he was like i want to be able to be like honest and emotional and i don't want to like cry up here right on a, in a post-game press conference but just to be thinking about like you know, this is my platform is the one that I'm going to emphasize in terms of like my my feelings, my thoughts and my analysis is pretty, pretty breathtaking for like an all NBA level basketball players. One of the most recognizable names remaining in the playoffs. Yeah, it's not often that. I mean, it, it he's re- he's really good at it already, but it's not often that the person that's really good at that is still crazy relevant in the playoffs. Yeah. And a guy who will have a direct say in who wins the title, right? Like it's not, mm-hmm. this isn't who, what, I don't, I don't want to take shots. What, Channing Fry or whatever late in his career having a podcast or something. Like it's, it's not It's not the same thing. I, I mean, I have my, <laughs> because of my Thunder past, right? I got my own problems with Draymond. With Draymond. <laughs> I, don't want to, I don't want to be here being like, yeah, I mean, Draymond's awesome. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not trying to back you. No, but that. I know, but, but he, <laughs> but obviously he's very smart and he's very, I mean, he's very, very good at, He's very, very good at it. I feel like the one thing that I really yeah. enjoyed about these playoffs is that each series has got has had like a really different identity. You know, I mean, I think that Golden State, Memphis, and Boston, Milwaukee both felt really physical. Um, but even within the the physicality of both series, I felt like the manner in which games were being won was rather different than the Celtics Bucks series, you know, and you know, like I think what the the problem with like physical basketball is that for brief moments it feels like, whoa, this 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 feels like the sort of throwback eighties, nineties hoops and like there's a lot of like contact and guys are really no free free layups and all that. And then what it inevitably means is that we're gonna get into a refing contest. Right. And it's going to turn into like a lot of debates about like interpretations of charges and whether or not a guy was doing a rip through and stuff like that. So I think that like the physicality comes with an increased presence of like the Scott Fosters of the world where you're, you're just like a little like, damn, this is not what I really signed up to watch. On the other hand, the Dallas Sun series had like a completely different identity. I felt like, I mean, while, while also relatively physical, that was almost like essentially like a, a, a style makes fights kind of thing where Dallas like, just press their advantage outside and and we're just like we're gonna spread you out and like and we're just gonna like launch until you guys break so i was curious whether or not you would sort of enjoyed the uh variety of basketball that we've seen throughout the playoffs or if you thought like the reliance on the three-pointer is still like something that no matter how physical a team is it's still kind of like 
you, you get a pretty monochromatic style of hoops throughout? You know, that's a good question. I, I mean, thinking about the, th- like it, it's it, the, you, right. You're having to like marry the idea that like, obviously this is the smart way to play. Obviously this is what the math is saying. Mm-hmm. All the smart people say, if you want your team to be as good as they can possibly be, shoot more threes. And I get it. And sometimes when they're going in, it's a whole lot of fun, but it was nice to see at least when the suns were going, you know, a little like reclamation of the mid range and stuff like that. Seeing, seeing guys do some more kind of on the ball, like kind of, you know, wiggle type stuff. Those, those sorts of things are way more aesthetically pleasing to me than a guy you know, coming off some spread pick and roll and drawing a defender and then kicking it to the guy in the corner and he shoots it at three. Like that's yeah. just as yeah. a, for, for, it's a better time for my eyes to watch somebody try to go by somebody off the dribble than it is to watch the other. I appreciate the change up. I mean, Milwaukee is a whole different story, right? Like Milwaukee was with, with, with Giannis, it, it just becomes just a rock fight, right? He's just, it's just get out of the way. And that's fun to watch, you know, Tatum, the way that the, the, some of those battles in those Celtics Bucks series between Tatum and Giannis, it was so fun to watch them because it felt like they were getting their buckets in such different ways, you know, and it wasn't oh God, like yeah. it was, I mean, Giannis is brute force, but there's a lot of skill, like a lot of subtle skill that's there too, with the footwork and everything like that, the body control, right? Like there's, plenty of stuff going on that's not just he's stronger and taller than everybody um so it's not like there's like all this skill from Tatum and none from Giannis but there did feel like a difference in just the way that they were handling their business offensively but it was similarly dominant and that was fun to see sometimes it would feel like you know in the past you get into these Kyrie Steph laser light shows where it's kind of the same sort of shots from the same type of dudes or it's fun whenever the whenever the back and forth yeah. is from you know what what whatever you know in the bubble Jamal Murray Donovan Mitchell like not the same game but in the same vicinity of it right like it, it, it's, yeah. it's 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 fun when there's a mix for sure that's been that's been nice. I mean, we can talk about the officiating aspect of it, but yeah, I do think that the officiating is sort of corrected itself in some regards like there i would much rather watch an up and down game than guys constantly getting calls for any kind of contact or jumping into contact on their three-point shots i think it's been relatively okay in that regard i do think that the amount of pressure teams are putting on the rim has been like almost like the officials haven't seen basketball like that in nine months and now they're trying to adjust to be like damn dog you really went at that like (laughs) and it's so it's almost like they're like watching like oh they're like we have to get our sea legs under us and then you just get some crews that are just like we're going to become the stars of the show like we want to do a lot of like like reviews and we want to do a lot of like ostentatious charge calls and stuff like that i've enjoyed it i i mean like it's definitely feels a little bit more fun to me than the um Maury ball rockets or watching the jazz kind of just like ping it around the perimeter and like just get Joe Ingles ball going. I, I've really like enjoyed this playoffs and I've really enjoyed honestly like the not the rise of some of the stars, but the fact that the four best players remaining are Butler, Luca, Steph, and Tatum. Yeah. Is not what I would have predicted in November of last year. Yeah. And there's like a variety there. They're yeah. not they, they don't have the same and I should also say 
the like Stephen Kyrie are obviously awesome, and those those battles are special in themselves. I'm just saying, like it's it's fun, it's fun to watch guys come at things from a different perspective, right? Yeah, yeah I think it's actually like I mean, it's kind of nice to not have LeBron in this. Yeah, when LeBron isn't looming as like a a roadblock or like this thing that needs to you know cement his legacy with another ring or somebody that another team needs to knock off and. There's usually like a lot of like very like repetitive narratives going along with like a LeBron led series. Yeah. It's kind of cool to be like, shit, like no matter what happens with these final four teams, like something amazing is going to take place. You yeah. Know? Whether it's like Luca or Tatum going up another level, Miami going to like their second finals in four years, or Steph getting back to the top of the mountain, like that, all four of those things are pretty fascinating, you know, it's- to me. It, and and they, and they all feel new. It's really nice to have gotten to a place like you say where it's just, where it's not not retread. LeBron's amazing in his own way, and he was incredible this year. But like you say, it's 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 it, that that um that that monster is not at the end of this particular tunnel. It is nice to know that there's some fresh faces in the mix. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident. It was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20 for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Speaking of fresh faces, let's talk about the Thunder. So you wrote a great piece there earlier this week, right off of the lottery, where the Thunder... Uh, had two possible chances of, of, I guess, getting... I mean, they had a very slim chance of that Clippers pick, but sure. and then their their own pick uh, to get the number one pick. It feels like it's been longer. I think possibly because the Chris Paul year yeah. was supposed to be kind of like a process year, but then Chris Paul is just too fucking good. What's funny is because that, that, that Presty letter weirdly came before that year. Mm-hmm. And so because it came before that year, like that... It's, it's been in the water for longer than it actually. Yeah, had, it feels know? like once like, they like once they traded Russ, it yeah. was like okay, like what we're gonna try and do is this, and yeah. then you know after Chris Paul, I think that they have become 
what the Sixers sort of were, but in a weird way because there's been less fanfare about what the Thunder are doing and because maybe as a destination or as a traditional powerhouse in the league, Oklahoma has a little less history, obviously, than Philadelphia. Sure. Um, there's just so much less scrutiny on like what they're doing. And it's kind of odd. I mean, I'm curious about how you're feeling about this right now because yeah. I remember what it was like when the Sixers were just like the two way, like the the experimental hub of like guys coming out of like seemingly nowhere, the G League, you know, and like sure. all the process players from across the years of where, you know, in some ways, like their stats would get built up because that was a fast paced team that like you know accelerated a lot of guys' development because they were getting a lot of opportunities they wouldn't at other teams. Right, and then the Sixers were pretty savvy about like flipping those dudes for more picks, and those picks would go into whatever trades they wanted to make down the line. Yeah, but ultimately, what the Sixers were built on was getting marquee players out of the top of the draft. So they sure. they actually fucked that up, you know, in retrospect, <laughs> <laughs> like pretty sincerely. They they have now arrived on the other side of it with just Embiid, uh, sure. which is pretty amazing when you think about the amount of bites they had at the apple. But for you, you know, the Thunder have weirdly almost like had bad luck in in the top of the lottery when it comes to like given the amount of bleeding they've been doing. Sure, it's it's been wild to see like you know like that last year. I think a lot of people were like, it's got to be Cade. It makes sense. It's the Oklahoma kid. Let's go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you wind up a Giddy who's fucking sick, but like, yeah, that's a lot of pain for your Josh Giddy pick. It's been funny because I mean, like I'm stoked about Giddy. I think Giddy's awesome. And yet, like you say, like there, there are still these other dudes that were at the top of that draft where you, do, you, you can't help, but feel like, you know, it's funny you said, it's funny you said that about Cade. There was some video came out of Evan Mobley, like a couple days before the draft. I forget if he, I think he was, it was like him and Jalen Suggs, some, some, Body had him out on like a court and they were just sort of asking each other questions in a very sort of, you know, uncomfortable sort of way. And uh, they were asking, they asked Mobley who his um, favorite team was to watch. And he said the Thunder, which I've never wow. heard a player say before. And in my head at that point, I was like, oh, okay, well, then this is his destiny. You know? Right, and then right. obviously it doesn't happen. I was listening to you know after since the Thunder got the second pick, I'm listening to all you the. You got to be a know, draft expert now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm being ridiculous about it. And yeah. I listened. You know, Woj had uh, Schmitz on his pod the other day, and uh, he just sort of mentioned just sort of offhand, it, it, and not even you know Schmitz didn't challenge him, and it was it was it, he, Woj said the point on the way to another thing he was saying. But he just sort of said offhand that the Thunder would have drafted Evan Mobley if they had the first pick last year. And that was super duper interesting to me. Just think about how that might have been received in the moment as opposed to what, you know, I thought of that when you said it's 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 interesting because like it both does. I'm with you. It does feel like it's been a long time. I think that part of it is because of, like I say, when the letter came out. But then I also just think so for like... people who don't know, what was this letter? Because like there's... I mean, one of the things that thought, the hallmarks of both the Sixers and Thunder rebuilds has been like a manifesto, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, sort of being upfront about it without being straight up front about it, you know? Like basically, Sam Presti, the Thunder uh, general manager, put in the statewide paper in Oklahoma, the Oklahoma, a, you know, letter that basically said essentially, uh, Hey, in order to be really good, you got to be really bad for a while to get really good players. So effectively we're going to be losing for a little while, you know? Yeah. 
And there's a lot more there. And, you know, Presty, you know, for sure had a dictionary next to him when he wrote it, right? Like he likes words and he's like a thoughtful dude. It's super weird to think about because I'm both like, I'm kind of tired of it and kind of want to just get back to sort of competing. But then in my head, I'm also like, it's only been, it's been two drafts worth of tank. You know what I'm saying? And, And it's also like, sometimes when I hear the people that get mad about tanking, I'm just like, can't you just get mad at the Kings who like suck accidentally? Like who like have who've been like playing bad basketball for forever? Like we're the black eye of the league. Like what are you talking about? You know, like yeah. th- th- those sorts. Of, like sometimes those I I feel that way too. So it's I don't know. It's it's yeah, complicated. I don't know. Yeah, like and when I go back to like how the Sixers went into the process coming off of a like bog average kind of occasionally like above average, but. Doug Collins led Sixers team that culminated with 11 12, where they, I think, you know, like they beat the Bulls when Derrick Rose got hurt. They lost to the Celtics in like a pretty fun series in the second round. And they were not going to win the championship with that team for sure. But the memories that you might have from any given moment of from those playoffs, you would just be like, this is why I watch NBA basketball to cheer for my team and like hope against hope that they can beat the friggin' Celtics or whatever. And then that got torn down and built back up yeah. again to a team that is now incapable of getting out of the second round of the NBA playoffs. And in no way do I think that that team from 11, 12 had a better shot at winning the NBA finals than a team led by Joel Embiid does in 2022. That's like, obviously not what I'm saying, but the process, both little P and capital P, to get there was certainly like long and arduous. It seems like the Thunder, I wonder if the Thunder have learned any lessons from that. You know, like obviously like they're a pretty well-supported team, although, you know, in like a smaller market. So it doesn't seem like they're bleeding fans or fans are just like, screw this, I'm not going to watch SGA like while away the years here. Right, but it seems like it's it's been a little bit more compressed. Maybe I feel that way because of that Chris Paul year. I mean, I think part of it was also like there's the Chris, like that Chris Paul year was also the bubble year was also the year that yeah, took for forever. True. Like these multiple seasons have been compressed in this time too. And so whenever it got in the water that the Thunder might trade Chris Paul to tank, and then it was even up through the trade deadline, there was like remember there was like are they going to trade Gallo or not? Like they might be trying to yeah. like hit reset now on that or something. And they didn't wind up doing it. I think that it was just sort of in the water enough for long enough that whenever it did actually start happening, which wasn't really until the like halfway through, yeah. you know, whatever the, the last season, whenever they, you know, whatever shut down Horford, it just it yeah. feels longer i think and i get i get that it does but it, but it, yeah it, it is like weird that it has actually only been two drafts you know basically well so now they're they're gonna have two picks in this what in the top 15 what, what's the clippers 12 the clippers one of the 12, 12. Yeah. so they have two top 12 picks including the second pick in which case they're gonna get one of chet paolo benchero or jabari green in all likelihood unless Smith. there's some sort of surge if i was the gm you don't want me to be your GM because I would just <laughs> I would just draft Matherin because I watched one game of his and I was just like that guy's a friggin' beast. Yeah, he's not. So like I don't think anybody wants to be making their picks. I think you could probably make an argument that any one of those three dudes yeah. is in some way exactly what the Thunder need. There's something about Chet that feels like even more like this is gonna be a minute. So just buckle up. Yeah, I mean I I 
am fascinated to know how they value those dudes. If do they value Chet more because they would like to still lose a little bit next year uh, because they are infatuated with Wimbanyama like everybody else is and mm-hmm. Scoot Henderson like everybody else? Like, are, are they, you know, that, that's the thing that I think some Thunder fans are trying to kind of like, you know, you're trying to like read the tea leaves and figure out like, okay, exactly how competitive do we want to be, you know, at the end of the year, right? Like, right. Um, and I'll, I'll be, I'll be interested to see how that operates. I don't know. I, I don't know how people will take to uh, if they tried to shut SGA down again. I don't, I don't think people would be too pumped up about that. And so yeah. I was really worried about uh, them not getting a top three pick and then it getting much harder to get a blue chip type dude yeah. because yeah. Shea's obviously going to get better. Giddy's obviously going to get better. Oh, you're seeing Shea and Giddy just trying to, you know, orchestrate their way out of Oklahoma. <laughs> just be, that'd be dope if Giddy was like, I'm fucking out. Like you guys thought Zion was going to yeah. resign with New Orleans. Like get me out of Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was, yeah, I was just more meaning like, I don't think they're going to be able to lose enough game. If they, if they're both playing, I don't know if they're, you know, yeah. they're able to going to be able to be bad enough. You know, that's a really good point though. Like if you guys have Giddy SGA, I honestly got to tell you, I that's like literally the two fucking Thunder players I can name. <laughs> no, I mean, it's like, it's like Giddy SGA, Dort, Kenrich Williams. Yes. Like there's, there's, a, you know, there's a, there's, there's a fine, you know, like competitive core in place that if everybody's healthy and hitting, it can, you know, be, you know, a difficult team to deal with. Right. Like I would bet like, you know, all my belongings on the table right now that they want either Chet or Jabari. But there is also the thing that's in the back of my head that thinks that the NBA has become largely, in the playoffs at least, about like, can you go get a bucket on somebody? Baron Charles is a good playmaker too when he, you know, it, it, when he has the opportunities, it seems like. And so I, 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 you know, and Presti's not afraid to do something weird. You know what I mean? So I'll be really, really fascinated to watch all of that. Jabari also just seems like he would be a perfect fit just with exactly how he exists today, you know, however he develops, he develops, but just like skill set that exists right now, a big who can it's guard. Like, it's plug and play. Yeah. And, 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 you know, he's just picking and popping with Gideon SGA all day. Like it, you know, he, he would open up so many things. SGA is already so good going to the rim. He would get that much better because bigs will be terrified to leave Jabari for too long. You give Giddy somebody, you know, to throw to like it, it, it would be, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped because I'll be excited no matter who it is. I'll be, you know, that's like, great. That's the best place to be in. Cause like I've, I've been through early drafts where it's just like, God, it has to be this dude. And if it's not, we're, we're just, so it, and, I, and I, it could for sure become that, <laughs> that way for me. Like if I, you know, whatever, but, but yeah, right now I really do. Like I would be happy with any of them. It is, it is, interesting it feels like more and more people are sort of trying to turn it into a two-player kind of deal there at the top kind of trying to move banchero into like kind of another little mini tier by himself below those yes you know before you get to ivy and murray and everybody it's 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 been interesting to see that i think there's going to be some volatility i still feel like somebody's going to like rise a little bit 
All right, man. Well, we'll definitely have you back on as the draft season goes along and as the playoffs go along to chat more about Marcus Smart, Jimmy Butler sitting in the middle of the road with his shirt <laughs> off, uh, and who the Thunder should take. Tyler Parker can be read on the ringer.com and can be heard across the Ringer Podcast Network increasingly as the months go by. I'm sure, Tyler, thanks so much for joining Thanks, Blake. Thanks for having me, dude. We were produced by Chris Sutton. We will be back next Friday with Sirit. Uh, thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.